You're listening to HR Mavericks, a weekly podcast featuring leading small business HR professionals who share their experiences and insights to help you know how to turn your HR processes and employee experience into a strategic business advantage. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the next episode of HR Mavericks. I'm your host, Garrett Justice, and today I'm joined by Brandon Butters, who's an HR manager of technology at Vivint. Brandon, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing good. I'm really excited to be here on the podcast. I appreciate the invite. We're super excited to have you on here and just just kind of pick your brain on this topic today. I think it's going to be a fun one. But before we jump into the topic, tell our listeners a little bit more about your career background and also what your company Vivint does. Yeah, absolutely. It's a little bit about me. I, I think tried and true in HR, right? No one ever seems to take the traditional path into HR. Uh, originally was planning on going and getting a PhD. Uh, some crazy things happened and ended up going and getting a master's degree in HR at Utah State. I give a plug for that program. It's fantastic. I really enjoyed my time there. And that's really ultimately been my path. I started in recruiting first. I really enjoyed being a talent acquisition partner in the technology space, but really found that um, for me personally, my passion was in the people side of the business and then really approached the HR business partner with a lot of passion and started in the tech industry there and really haven't left and have moved around uh, to a couple of different organizations here in Utah. Um, some of them are based outside of Utah, but had locations here. And uh, so now I'm working for Vivint, really enjoy working for Vivint. A lot of people in the Utah area know uh, who Vivint is, but uh, for those of you who don't, Vivint is the leading smart home technology company. Uh, we provide a lot of services in the range of not only just security, but lighting functions, um, also temperature and uh, a whole bunch more functions as far as it relates to being able to automate your home into a number of different capacities and components. Definitely uh, hiring, growing in all those different spaces. So if people are interested, please come give us a check out. We, we love the work that we do. We're always looking for passionate people. I love it. I, I was walking into a jazz game not long ago and I heard a dad ask or a son ask his dad, dad, what's Vivint? He said, I have no idea. So for any of you out there listening, now you know the answer to that question, right? You should know because it's on the outside of the Utah Jazz Stadium up there in Salt Lake City. And if you've been around at all, you should, probably should know. So this is, that's an awesome plug. Yeah, um, absolutely. Well, Brandon, one of the questions I really like to ask people before we really jump into the topic is kind of a two-part question. It's what, what drew you to the space or the field of HR? And part two is what's kept you there? Yeah, the, the piece that really drew me to HR in the first place is I've always had a passion for people, uh, relationships. And I think if you were to ask people in my life who I am, I'm, I'm a collector of people. I love relationship building. Uh, it's always been a fascination of mine in group dynamics, group thinking, right? All those different pieces. And I mean, the most critical resource to a business is its people. It is definitely where we spend the most money. And I think companies oftentimes fail to recognize that that's where they can get their greatest value. And because of that, I really rode into HR with that mindset. My original plan to get a PhD was actually in organizational and industrial psychology. So still very people focused um, ultimately, but really wanted to be in the nitty gritty, didn't want to be on the academic side. And that's ultimately what drew me into HR. What's kept me in HR is, to be honest, the technology space. Uh, the, the technology space runs a little bit leaner when it comes to HR, and there's a lot more opportunity to effectuate change. There's a lot less red tape. I have worked for organizations where there's a little bit more bureaucratic red tape than others. And being in the technology space has offered the opportunity to make real world impact. And I feel like technology overall has been a place where HR has had a really good seat at the table. And because of that, I've continually kept coming back for more uh, just because it is so fun 
to be a part of an organization that really values HR as a strategic function and have really been able to make an impact. And because of that, that's engaging. And that's what really what keeps me around in HR. I love it. Great, great answers. Um, so I'm excited to jump into this topic today. And I'm going to ask you to frame it a little bit for us after I explain it, uh, because, you know, a lot of our listeners are the solo HR professional, right, at a small business. And Vivint's not a small business anymore. It's a larger company, right? There's lots of different employees across lots of different locations and departments and everything else. So, you know, what we wanted to talk about today is, is really five principles that you've come up with to become an effective and strategic HR business partner. And so for those solo HR leaders, or maybe people who are not even in an HR background, explain what a typical HR business partner does. It's usually a title that you find at a mid or large size company. So explain that to us, set the stage for us a little bit. Yeah. So as far as an HR business partner, the task, right? If you are a solo individual within your organization, you do a lot of what HR business partners do today. Um, your function and your priorities might shift and change because you are just the, the one man or one woman show. And so that does make that a little bit more difficult. Uh, but as far as an HR business partner in a mid-sized to large-sized company, I'm really involved in the people strategy of the organization that I'm assigned to. So I support three different groups within my organization today. And I'm the go-to when it comes to not only your administrative HR tasks that people traditionally think of, but I'm also the individual that is doing you know, compensation analysis. I'm looking at growth and development of employees, how we better engage and retain the people within the organization. Also look at talent review, right? What does our bench strength look like? And in tandem with that succession planning. So how do we grow the next generation of leaders to move into the various roles that vacancies might create through the craziness of the market that we're in? Um, and then there's a whole bunch of other components to that, but that's the general idea of an HR business partner is to function as an individual that does so much more than what some people who don't understand what HR does uh, traditionally uh, do. And so because of that, it's, it's an effective piece. And I think that the topic that we're going to talk about today, it, it doesn't matter if your company is 10 people or, you know, a thousand plus, or even larger than that, the principles introduced in, in today's conversation will apply really to all levels of the organization. And so I'm really excited to talk about it because I feel like I've learned a lot. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you called that out because I was going to say the exact same thing that what I love about this topic is, I mean, the title that you proposed for this is just these five principles to becoming an effective and strategic HR business partner. So again, it doesn't matter if you're one of many HR people in a larger organization, or if you're the solo HR person, if you want to be an effective and strategic partner for other leaders at the business to help with that people strategy, these are the principles that we're going to talk about. So again, I, I completely agree. And I think what we're going to talk about today is applicable for anyone. So if you're hearing this and thinking, well, I'm Brandon works in a technology company. I work in a restaurant or it's huge. And I, I'm the solo person of a 20 person company, right? I think the principles definitely are applicable regardless. And the other thing that I would add to that, Brandon, too, is a lot of times uh, there are HR professionals who are early in their career who find them kind of stuck in more of an administrative role. Even at small businesses, um, it can happen and it can happen later in their year in their career also, where they're kind of stuck in that administrative mindset and they're not really seen as like a true strategic business partner for the CEO or other leaders across the business. And so what I would propose is, you know, I've, I've seen these principles that Brandon's going to talk about today and help us explain. If you're stuck in that rut as an HR professional where you feel like you're just doing that administrative work and you're not a true strategic partner for other leaders, these are the principles that are going to help elevate 
what you do to get to that level. You got to be thinking about and prioritizing your time to make sure you can focus as much on being that strategic partner. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited. Yep. That's exactly right. Awesome. Well, let's jump in. So principle number one that you shared with us is the introduction. So tell us a little bit more about that. Seems simple, right? So to explain that to us. Yeah, absolutely. And each of these principles really is going to sound very simple at at the get-go, but really where it comes to mastery is the repeating of it, right? And getting it better. So the introduction, as I like to call it, principle number one, it's a foundation really for, for anybody in HR to really understand their leaders that they're working with and their teams and what they do. So the introduction, right, when, when you're coming onto an organization, whether you've been there a year, whether you've been there you know, five minutes, whatever it may be, getting time on the calendars of key leaders within your organization is critical and get to know them. Don't spend a lot of the time talking about you as an individual, right? Spend a lot of time asking them questions, figure out why do they do the, the things that they do, right? Why do they choose to run this team? Why this company? Really start to understand their motivations for why they're here. And then ask them to get to know their team, get invited to a staff meeting, ask their team what they do, and you know how their roles fit into the broader you know business overall. Get to know and understand their goals and aspirations and the things they want to accomplish. And then most importantly, one thing that I would add is as an HR uh, representative, whatever your title is, ask them what has been effective ways the HR has worked with them in the past. You'll be surprised. Sometimes people will say none, and then there there's a little scary, a little daunting, but it does offer you the opportunity to paint from on a fresh canvas, right? Because you know how to be effective. You know what you can do. Um, in those particular capacities. And then other individuals might come out and go, oh, I had an HR business partner that did XYZ. It was really beneficial for me. And you understand their foundational understanding of how they view HR traditionally and how you can mold and adapt um, either that viewpoint or grow into what they need overall. Because as an HR business partner and HR individuals, we're here to service the needs of the organization. Our customers are the people there. And the introduction really allows for that foundation to be built, which is the beginning of your relationship at the get-go. I love it. And one of the things that I love the most about what you said is you you set up that initial introduction and you make it about them, not you. And I think that's sometimes where HR professionals might get stuck, where either you're already um, you've been in your HR role for a long time and you have someone, a new business partner join the team. And that introduction is more about hey, this is how we're doing things because you're new, right? Or maybe you're the new person, you're coming in and you want to prove your worth. And so you talk more about yourself than, than, you know, about what their needs are. And so I think that key piece is you got to make it about them. Of course, you got to get to know them. You got to start building that relationship with them, but then you need to find out what they expect from an HR business partner and how you can help them in their organization, what's worked in the past and what they ideally how they ideally would like it to work going forward, right? Yeah, yep, absolutely. Nail on the head right there for sure. Awesome. Okay, so principle number one, the introduction. Principle number two is really about curiosity and healthy skepticism. Tell us about this one. Yeah, I love this principle. This is, um, obviously these titles have grown over time in my life as I've really tried to figure out, you know, how to be an effective HR business partner. But I'll start with curiosity first. Uh, really one of the biggest things is HR business partners don't ask questions a lot, right? We don't ask questions because we feel embarrassed and we don't understand a technology piece. I'll take, for example, my own experience working in the tech space. At first, when I came on, it was daunting to hear people talk about programming languages or software that they were using or um, how they're building a certain product, right? And I would sit there and kind of go, well, you know, that's not my wheelhouse. That's not my business, right? HR is my thing. Um, And that was my cop out. 
and quickly learned that I would get lost in conversations where traditionally leaders could navigate like my, my HR mentors and things like that could navigate. And I asked one, right? Like how, how is it that you've come to know the business so well and you've only been with the business for a short time? And they said, oh, I ask questions, don't you? Right. And it was kind of those things that like hit me with a ton of bricks. Like, Oh, I mean, I can obviously ask. So I spend time in, and it can be outside the introduction and other meetings or things like that, asking questions, right? If it's an all hands meeting where the, the audience is a bit broader, maybe don't ask there, but pull someone aside who obviously knows what they're talking about and be like, Hey, listen, explain this to me as if I was, you know, 10 years old, explain this to me as if I was a child who has no foundational understanding. And that first initial jump is really hard, right? It's a little embarrassing to, to admit those things, but more often than not, people are so excited that you want to know, right? And they'll share those different pieces and those different components. And I've done that at Vivint quite a bit. And I'm always really appreciative of my leaders that walk me through each stage. Uh, Vivint has a lot of complicated products. And so having people who can kind of talk to me about it, it makes you dangerous as an HR individual, as an HR partner, because you can talk to the language that the individuals are using. So I appreciate that particular piece. As far as healthy skepticism goes, this is one of those components in HR, where HR does, I think, one of two things for people. It either energizes you or it sucks the soul out of you. And you have mm -hmm. to find that proper balance. Um, when people come to you, right, and they share an experience or they're sharing how something may, may appear unfair or something along those lines, there's always two sides of that story. And it's oftentimes in the middle. And so asking questions to really understand where they're coming from and kind of approaching those situations with a healthy view of skepticism of like, okay, there's probably more to the story than they're letting on is really beneficial because I've met with a handful of HR business partners in my career who are so quick to take the side of either the business or the employee. And really the, the medium ground is really in the middle of each of those individuals. And it stunts your ability as an HR business partner to deliver effective value um, because you're, you're automatically siding with one group over the other. And traditionally HR sides with the business um, and, you know, can think of a handful of times in my own career where I've done that and I haven't asked the right questions. And so by being curious and having a healthy amount of skepticism when answers are brought to you so that you dig in further, you oftentimes find that that's the most effective and strategic way you can approach being an HR partner within your groups because you get the full story. You get the full understanding of the, either the technology or the situation that you're experiencing. Yeah, it was so good. And a couple of things that really stood out to me about what you said is I, I kept thinking, you know, when you're talking about curiosity about the term partner right? To be a true partner with a business leader, you have to be able to speak their language, right? And so as an HR person, you have to be dangerous enough and understand enough of what's going on in their business to be able to be seen by them as a partner, right? It's, it's a process of building trust with them that you've invested enough time to be able to speak at least some of their language and understand what's going on so that you can advise them. And that second piece kind of layers into that. It's, it's that healthy skepticism helps you to really advise, right? And when certain things come up, you want to be what I heard you say, it, and, and you didn't say this exactly, but what I got from it is, is really about being a partner, not only for the business leader, but also for the individual employees across that business unit and the business unit as a whole, right? And so in order to do that, when issues arise, you can't automatically jump to the side of the business. You have to have that healthy skepticism and help people see another viewpoint in order to really get to the truth. And the only way you're going to be able to do that effectively is if you have built the trust beforehand with a good introduction and knowing how to speak their language and with that curiosity. So really, really love those points. Absolutely. And one more that I would add to that as well is read. 
the nature of business partners, right? Like we, we often talk about books that are very human focused and that's great. I love those. I mean, my bookshelf is full behind me of, of a handful of different books that are related to HR in itself, but how many of us are going in and getting books on project management skills, right? Or program management or technology or things like that. And that was introduced to me in my previous company about the importance of reading the same books that the businesses that I was supporting were reading and understanding, you know, DevOps and what does that mean, right? What's SRE? And that can apply even in the businesses that you're in, right? If you were an HR partner over a foods company, go get books related to the, the food technology industry. If you're working in an area where there's a lot of labor relations and labor unions, go get books on labor relations and unions and study business cases on, on things that go well or don't go well. You know, really understanding the technology or the space that you're in by reading about it and studying about it is going to be really critical um, to individuals as well. And that's a way that you can get answers without necessarily asking your business, um, but you can come prepared with some information ahead of time. Yeah, love it. Awesome tip. Okay, so principle number one that we talked about is the introduction. Then we talked about this idea of curiosity and healthy skepticism. Principle number three is really about depositing emotional capital. Tell us more about what that really means. Yeah, I'm a big fan of depositing emotional capital, right? And it really builds on the, the other two principles. It's not actually something that I titled until actually this year at Vivint. My current HR mentor and leader is the one that coined this term for me. Obviously, it's it's something that it's not exclusive to our organization, but depositing emotional capital is really this idea much in general to our life is that we get to know people over time and we, we create these emotional deposits into the banks of people that we get to know. And that's either by showing up, supporting them, showing that we care, right? All those different pieces are how we depose, deposit emotional capital into someone's bank. And the reason that that's so critical is that before we can ask anyone or even the leaders in our organization to support or do the hard things, we need to have that bank at least somewhat full, right? So that we can make those withdrawals overall. And it's one of those pieces that through our daily interactions is how we make those deposits. And the previous two principles, the introduction and curiosity and healthy skepticism help build that. So as you're starting out as an HR partner, um, no matter where you're at, right, in your overall experience is those particular two pieces, the introduction and curiosity are already foundationally how you're depositing emotional capital into the banks of these individuals. And then you continue to do that, right? You continue to do that through your daily interactions. Um, one thing that I do often is get to know the person, the hobbies that they're doing, you know, if they've got family, if they've got pets, if they've got friends, things like that, that they enjoy doing. And then I can ask them and it makes our experience much more personal. And that's something you can do at the beginning of the introduction. That's something you can do over time as you get to know them and interact with your various leaders or individuals in your organization. But those are ways in which we can make deposits into the emotional banks of individuals so that when it comes to asking them to do the hard thing or to have a tough question or a conversation with an individual within their organization or their, their broader business group, they know that they can trust you and your judgment and what you're asking them to do because you've built a solid working relationship with them. Yeah, I, I love that term. And I think it's a perfect analogy. I think it's applicable to everyone, all leaders. I'll, I'll tell you, when I first started my career, I'm someone who's naturally just, you know, kind of a grinder. Like I show up to work to work. And this wasn't top of mind for me. It's still something I struggle with at times. And so putting, you know, reminders in place to where you can ask them those questions about their personal life and share some about yours is it's such a great analogy because that's a deposit 
and that emotional bank that you can draw upon later when push comes to shove and you're in a hard spot or you need to ask them to do something, which always happens in business, right? And so you got to start first with those deposits. So I love that analogy. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a piece that will will come in handy, but it does take practice, like you said, right? Some of us are yes. are naturally the the kind of come in, put your head down, get your work done. And, you know, I, I fall prey to that. On, on any given day, there's so many tasks that could be done. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about this in the next couple of principles as well as how to get outside of that and be able to do that a little bit more effectively. But it's something that's absolutely critical. Um, you know, I think HR, there's been a collective sigh in some of the organizations I'm in when HR joins the room, right? People feel like they can't be themselves anymore. And I've really worked to erode that mentality as an HR business partner in the groups that I've supported is that HR is generally celebrated, right? Because we joke about different things and components because I've been there, um, right, for them and I've supported them. Awesome. That's great. Okay. Principle number four. I, I really like this one too. This is walking the park. I know this term came from from Walt Disney. So tell us more about this walking the park, what that means. Yeah, this is something that I learned early in my career, which I'm appreciative of and found it to be a really effective way as an HR business partner. So uh, for those who don't know, right, walking the park, the, the origin of this is Walt Disney. And Walt Disney, when he first created Disneyland, he would actually walk around in the park and ask guests how's your experience here? What can we do better, right? What are different things that, um, you know, you would like to see more of or less of? And then spent time in his actual product, right? The thing that he built so that he understood it. And how this applies in HR is really that HR needs to walk among the people, right? We need to be asking those questions. We need to ask individuals, hey, what can HR be doing better to support you? right? How can we help? How can we be more effective for you? Um, And really get that feedback from individuals Um, People are more than willing to share what they think goes well and what doesn't go well. Um, And being an HR business partner, it's so effective. um, And it also creates the other other situation, which is the HR needs to be seen. Oftentimes, we're we're that person that's last to the party, right? Last to be picked. uh, Because we don't make ourselves seen, people don't know us, they don't feel comfortable with us. And so walking the park starts to normalize HR in the organizations that we support overall. And it's one of those pieces that in a remote age, you know, people ask, well, how am I supposed to do that, right? What does that look like today? That's by getting invited to staff meetings, right? Attending events that historically we've kind of shrugged off. I'll be honest, I've been invited to happy hours or things like that. I'm kind of like, ah, I don't really have time for that. Or there's like a trivia or a game, um, you know, night that's, that's going on. And I shrug it off as like, well, that's the organization. That's not me. And I've realized that that's actually where I get to deposit a lot of emotional capital get to know people a lot more and be seen, right? And create these memories that I can draw on in organizations. And so in a remote world today, join those staff meetings, have conversations, compliment people, right? Um, If you see something funny, mention it, right? Start to become an individual that people view as a necessity, right? As somebody that's part of the organization and walking the park is a great way to do that because it normalizes your presence. Yeah. One of the things I really like about this is, you know, taking the analogy of Walt Disney, you could have argued that, man, Walt Disney had so many things going on at that, at that point in time, he was such a busy guy. You could have argued that it would have been much more efficient for him to work with some people on his staff to send out a survey to get some of the same feedback from guests about how their experience was. Right. And, it, and it's interesting that most companies and most individuals were all busy 
And we often tend to gravitate towards that as our default. Well, I'll just send out a survey then to see how the employee experiences. What I really like about this, though, is he took the time, he made it a priority, just as every HR business partner should do. Yeah, that feedback is interesting, but there's going to be things that you're going to miss unless you really go walk the park and have those in-person, informal conversations. There's going to be things that are just missed if, if you just stop at doing an employee survey, right? Yeah, absolutely. We, sorry, excuse me. And we all have, we have survey overload. We all do, right? I'll be honest, even in HR, I have survey overload. I get surveys in even with my own organization in HR and uh, surveys are effective. They have their time and their place for sure. I'm definitely a fan of utilizing them properly, but you're right. We do default to that one because it's easy, right? Anybody can sit down, create a survey, send it out. Um, also it's, it's a little less, uh, it's dehumanizing, right? You don't have to be the face, right? You don't have to take the feedback directly. Um, but, but it does create that removal, right? It makes HR seem much more transactional that, oh, HR is a person that sends out the, the surveys, they review it, then our leaders are the ones that communicate it. If HR is seen as a, an individual in that feedback loop, then it does create that more humanistic component. And yeah, does it take a little bit of your time? Absolutely. Could you be doing a billion other things? 100%. But where you invest as an HR business partner in, in the beginning, especially, is going to be key critical in these types of things so that people get to know you. Yeah, makes total sense. Awesome, awesome tip. Okay, so quick recap. We have principle one, the introduction. Principle two, we talked about is curiosity and healthy skepticism. Number three is depositing that emotional capital. Number four is walking the park. And then this last one we have is a path to yes. Tell us about this. Yeah, so a path to yes. This is one of the things that I think I'm most proud of in, in my career overall is that historically HR is viewed as an inhibitor. I think everybody that is either listening to this or has ever been in HR or had a function like that, it will say, oh, you know, HR, they're, they're the no fun zone, right? We bring something up to them, HR says no. HR is the person that shoots down the idea. And historically, yeah, I'd say you're probably correct, right? HR always has a million reasons why something isn't gonna work. Uh, but what I found is that more often than not, when people bring me a, a particular proposal, my first question to them is, what do you want to achieve, right? What, what are you hoping to gain from this particular decision or this, this path that you've chosen? And that could be retaining an employee, could be reducing attrition in the organization, could be level setting compensation, right? There's an end all goal that they're trying to achieve. And most of the time, that's a goal that we agree on in HR, right? Like we want to retain and engage our people. We want to keep people around. Um, we want to develop people, grow them in the next stage. So the, the end all be all goal is oftentimes something that HR is like double thumbs up. Yeah, we want to be a part of that. But the way that the request is made, maybe it's not something that historically you've done or it's untenable or you have additional context that this person doesn't or this leader does that they're bringing towards you. And so instead of directly jumping to no, talk to them about why they've chosen this path, right? Why in this particular thing led you to make this decision, understand it, then along that path, right, inform them, right, that, hey, here's an idea. Why don't we take this path or this way? And keeping them in mind that, hey, your end-all be-all goal is to keep this individual here, for example, right? So we're going to take, instead of this direct route that you were thinking, we're going to take a little bit of a winding path. And here's why, right? And explaining that to them, the path is still yes, right? The yes is that we're going to retain them. We're going to keep them. It may not be what they originally thought, but you come together to work and find a pathway to yes. And this is something that I do often in the organization, right? And this is really the approach where you become a partner with the individual is that they're not coming to you going, hey, HR, I just need you to do this process of promotion, get it done, right? Draft me the offer letter, get it into the system, whatever you use. 
Um, and that's very transactional. And that's how oftentimes HR is viewed because HR just goes, yes, no, yes, no. We're the gatekeeper. And really what um, I try to institute with any of the HR business partners that I, I talk with or speak with is to help them understand that we're walking on the path with them. We're not at the gate waiting to open it and close it when people come make requests. We're walking with that path and we're going to pass through the gate together. We just need to figure out how we're going to get to the gate. What does that actually look like and partner together? And so finding that path to yes, rather than automatically shooting things down by asking questions, right? Being curious, understanding their end all goal, what they're trying to achieve, and then rumbling with them, right? In the arena to borrow a phrase from Brene Brown, right? Rumbling in that arena to understand how you can actually get to that pathway or that end all goal that they're trying to achieve. It may not be what they originally proposed, but it can be a, a blending of what they originally yeah. thought and bringing that all together. Yeah. As you were talking about that, you know, before you even said that word partner, that was what was in my mind as you were describing that, you know, it's going back to what we talked about at the very beginning, that if you want to be a true business partner for the business that you're supporting, then it really comes down to this, right? You can't just be the yes, no person. You got to find, you know, creative solutions and work with them and explain why this route instead of that route. So I love that tip. It's been awesome. Um, well, Brandon, this has been so great. I, I think that all five of these principles are super applicable to all listeners out there, regardless of the size of business. These are things that can definitely strengthen their perception as a competent, capable, strategic, and efficient HR partner for other members of the business, and also just strengthen the way that they work, right? And so uh, I love this. Thank you for joining and sharing these, these tips with us. As we kind of wrap up here, um, I know you know that there's a question I really like to ask all of our guests. It's not necessarily related to our topic, but really more tied to the mission of HR Mavericks, the community that we're building, which this podcast is a part of. You know, it's really about democratizing HR best practices and knowledge. So in your opinion, what's one thing that you think our listeners could do this week to go help improve their HR people functions at their company? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I guess I'm going to be a little selfish here and stick with my topic at hand. And really my biggest thing, one thing that I would recommend people go out and do today um, is really get to know your groups, get to know your business, get to know your people, find out what drives them, what motivates them to do the things that they do, because that's going to make you the most effective that you can be in a lot of ways, because you start the kickoff, you start the process off with each of the, with each of your individuals, your leaders, right? And understanding what are their goals and their aspirations? Because believe it or not, even the, the chief technology officer in my organization has goals and aspirations and getting to know that for him is really beneficial for me. And then that goes all the way down to my brand new hire that we just hired out of college, right? Understanding where that individual wants to go, what they want to go and accomplish. And that's something that you can do today, right now. I mean, those are, those are meetings that you can get on your calendar, get scheduled with groups of people and start to get to know them. It's one of the best things that an HR partner can do is actually get to know your organization, become a part of the organization, not some aloof third party that comes in occasionally to, to rectify a situation that needs to get you know solved. And you know people call them in as, as the, the, the policy police, right? No, no, no. Be, be a partner. Get to know individuals. And that's something that I feel like you can do today. Awesome. Excellent tip. I, I will... Definitely encourage you all go and do that tip that Brandon just shared, because I think that's applicable for, for all of us. So Brandon, thanks again for joining today. You know, if there are listeners who want to get in contact with you, if they have follow-up questions on the topic, what's the best way for them to do that? 
definitely LinkedIn, right? You can hit me up on my LinkedIn profile, more than happy. I'm pretty responsive when I get messages from individuals, um, but I'm more than happy to also provide my email. I know some people maybe are a little bit LinkedIn shy. That's okay. Um, but I'm more than happy to share my email out to individuals as well. Um, if they would like to, to talk with me there, uh, but LinkedIn is probably your best bet. And then uh, email, I'll definitely monitor and, and more than happy to answer questions that people have. Awesome. And we'll drop any links for all of that. If you're listening in the show notes, so you can find them there to reach out to Brandon. So Brandon, thank you again for taking the time to be on our show today. We really appreciate it. Hope you have a great rest of the day. Absolutely. Thank you. It's been a pleasure being here. Today, enduring companies know that their people are their most important assets and they invest in helping them excel. But often, small businesses with limited HR resources struggle to manage their people, payroll, and processes efficiently and create an environment where frontline, deskless employees thrive. That's why we created Eddy. Eddy is the all-in-one HR suite built for local businesses that streamlines tedious HR processes and improves the employee experience for frontline workers. With Eddy, you can hire, manage, pay, and engage employees with one easy-to-use software. No headache required. You've already done the hard part by creating a great business. Now let us help you take it to the next level. Visit eddy.com today to request a demo.